Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. And right now, you can get in queue by calling 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Matt will answer your call. Just give him your name and address. And before Brian gets out of here, I wanted to tell him, I was talking to him earlier, he grows strawberries, June-bearing strawberries. And now if your strawberries are finished fruiting, what you want to do is remove about 25% of the plants. So the ones that, uh, you know, maybe don't look quite so good, also fertilize them, and then you could put about an inch one to two inches of mulch in between all the plants. Okay. So that's what you should be doing with your June bearing strawberries. Ever bearing varieties control the weeds, water, and fertilize regularly. So we should go in there and take about a fourth of them out. Yes. And can I replant them? Because I've, I've kind of expanded yeah. my strawberry patch. It's kind of thin over on that one side. Right. So take them and replant them. Yeah, exactly. So okay. in a few years, there's going to be Kelly strawberries that's going to be sold at uh, Whole Foods. They are so good. <laughs> Yeah, you get them online, and then we'll bring them. Yeah, we'll fly them to you on drones. Yeah, but boy, they're Sounds so perfect. good. You'll right. you'll be in line for them. Believe All right, me. great. Yeah. Thanks. And folks, thanks for having me on your show. You can give a call. We can talk about your plant selection, carrying ups and downs and all around, your annuals, your bulbs, your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, or opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered as an option. As I said before, Matt's producing again today. He took a week off because he had to work overnight producing. But uh, anyway, so it's good to have him back. And during the week, uh, call, give him your name, where you're calling from. You don't have to give him anything else. During the week, I do something I call uh, a landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. So if you'd like for me to come to your home and we can discuss aesthetic problems, you know, or problem problems or whatever it happens to be, I will be glad to do that. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, We'll have my email address and phone number is listed there, and you can just contact me, and uh, we can talk about everything from how to care for things. Oh, don't bother with this. It's not really worth your time and effort and uh, those kind of things. I was at a house in St. Charles on Wednesday, and my major advice to this this lady who maintains the landscape herself, lawn and it's an acre, lawn cutting and everything else, I said, if anything, probably what you should do is maybe start eliminating some of the beds. If you're not really getting a lot of, let's say, aesthetic value, or it's in a, you know, an area that you never walk, to walk around except to maintain the, this area, then go ahead and get rid of, you know, get, take, there's nothing wrong with getting rid of some of the beds. Some people think, oh, well, I've had these plants and that's fine. But, you know, make it so you can feel comfortable with it. And also I recommended that she use some of the sedum ground cover as more or less a living mulch underneath her plant material as opposed to 
uh, having to buy bark mulch all the time. So she had a great stand of sedum, and it was going to work very well in many different beds that she would keep. So I recommended the once bed on the side of her house. Go ahead and just get rid of that. So anyway, the tip of the trowel is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 three. Three, four, four. Tip of the trial goes out to the daylily societies. Daylilies, some of them are already starting to bloom. The Asiatic lilies are already in bloom. They're separate from the daylilies, but the daylily societies, there's a greater St. Louis daylily society. There's an MBG, meaning Missouri Botanical Garden Daylily Association, West County Daylily Club, and then Southwestern Illinois Daylily Society. And if you're into the natives, because you want to maybe have a little bit less care for the plant materials. But please remember, natives are native where they grow naturally. But when we bring them into our own circumstance, our own landscape, they're still going to take care, whether it's soil preparation or anything else. But if you're in the native plants, Missouri Native Plant Society, and another one called Wild Ones Natural Landscapes. So daylilies are natives. There's all kinds of plant societies out there. And, uh, those are two that you might consider. Daylilies are kind of fun. Personally, you know, you can't have every plant in your own yard. So I enjoy daylilies in somebody else's yard. I don't necessarily want to grow daylilies myself, but I do grow, grow the Asiatic lilies, which are the ones that kind of the stalks that look like Easter lilies, only all kinds of different colors and stuff like that. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages. This is Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, to the phones we go, and Marianne lives in Chesterfield. Hi, Marianne. Yes, hello. Hi. Hi, I have two questions. Um, what is the difference between potting mix and potting soil? Potting mix is much lighter. When you pick up the bag, it's so water, everything moves through it much easier. Potting soil is very heavy duty, and many times it can be problematic for all kinds of different plants that you're growing in it. So potting mix might be my better choice. I never use potting soil. I haven't used potting soil for decades. I only use potting mix, and I've been growing plants in pots for you know, ever since I moved back to St. Louis, basically, which was, you know, 1977, no, 82 okay. or whatever. No, 77 is really when I moved back. Okay. And what, when is a good time to trim my boxwoods that have gotten kind of too big? <laughs> well, first of all, don't prune them too much because you, if you cut them back to the point where you're seeing just raw sticks at the end of the branches, it may take them a long time to recover. Second of all, don't do it going into summertime. So you, you have to live with them as they are now. As we come out of summertime, then sometime in October, if you want to. Personally, if you know, with my boxwood, which I have two, actually I have three, um, I don't prune them until we come out of wintertime, Valentine's Day to, you know, Ides of March, mid-March. That's when I prune them before the new growth begins. I don't like to prune going into summertime because you can get sunburn on the, on the foliage that remains because it was protected by the things that you've cut off. And the same thing going into wintertime, only you're not going to get sunburn. You can get some, like, winter burn on the foliage because the tips are a little bit tougher than the, the leaves that are further down in the plant. Right. Okay. I have one more quick question. You were talking about those Asia, Asiatic lilies? Yes. Okay, I had a beautiful stand of them. Oh, they were gorgeous. And then something, rabbits, deer, I don't know, whatever, ate them down to where they're just sticks. 
yeah. sticking up. Okay. So will those survive next year, or do I have to just start over? Uh, so these sticks, do they have the foliage on them? No, pretty much just little nubs. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's not good because even these guys, everything, you know, any plant wise needs to take nutrients and moisture from the soil and mix it with, you know, sunlight, which the sunlight comes to the leaves. And that's how it makes food. And that's how it regenerates. I wouldn't necessarily think that these are goners, but it's not a good sign as far as overall health. Don't dig them up. Don't get rid of them. Don't do anything because there's not anything you can really do. Don't bother fertilizing them. You know, okay. so just kind of leave them alone. But uh, just in case, you might want to make sure, remember where they are and put some kind of physical barrier around them for next year. Yes, for next year. Right. Okay. Thank you for the information. Yep. Good luck with that. And now let's come back from Chesterfield to Tower Grove Park area. And Zachary lives there. Hi, Zachary. Yes, sir. I have a Norfolk pine, which is confusing me. <laughs> I've repotted this. I've checked the pH on the soil. I've made sure it has the proper amount of water, proper amount of drainage, and I'm still experiencing browning on a certain side of it. And I don't seem to have any pests. And I'm kind of a, I'm at a loss here. Right. So do you have it in a very sunny window, and are you rotating it according to, let's say, a quarter turn or a half turn? Less every few days. I have it outside on my patio now. Okay. It receive it receives about seven hours of decent sunlight. Um, it's always thrived outside when it's gone back out for the summer right. and the humidity and something happened this year. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I can't really tell. For people that don't know the Norfolk Island pine, Norfolk Island is part of the Australia, all that part of the world. It's not a pine that can live outside here because of the cold temperatures and everything else. But consequently, I would say, you know, if does it look like a, you know it's natural or is the top part of it really growing much wider than the lower part? Is that what's happening? So I would say, you know, you've had good luck with it for all these years. And it might be just, you know, sort of a down, downhill turn. I guess Brian Kelly's got some... Long. Yeah, just want to let you know a little breaking news. The uh, Bill Cosby trial, the judge has declared a mistrial. The jury unable to reach a verdict, and so the judge has declared a mistrial in the Bill Cosby trial, and we'll have more at the top of the hour. Well, great. Thanks, Brian. Go ahead, uh, Zachary. I've done as much as I can with it originally when I received the plant. Right. It was root-bound in a very small, round, 12-inch pot. Uh-huh. So I moved it to a 17-inch pot, and it was about five inches deeper. I tried to make sure the soil mixture was okay, and it transplanted okay. But then shortly thereafter, it started to brown on one side, and I've trimmed the browning off. But it's, it's continuing. The top of the tree is still sprouting and growing. Right. I'm just, I'm at a loss. I've yeah, tried to look doing, it up on Google and as much as I can. Yeah, you're doing everything as well as you can. But anything that's a houseplant still, I mean, you could have Norfolk Island pines that could live for decades. Then you could have some that are going to die within a year or so of the time you actually get them. And that can be with any type of houseplant. So there's pro it's probably a mysterious thing that there's no way to actually figure it out because it sounds like you're doing everything just right and why it's dying, who knows? You're not, there's it, no... it was a gift from a family member, and right. 
<clears throat> I have a whole patio full of plants and stuff, and everything else is thriving this year. Right. Yeah, this is a good year. That. Yeah, why this is happening, it's you know, it's just tough to tell. I would anything that's brown, just go ahead and prune it off and just, you know, if you happen to have end up with just one that's a you know, one sided, then that's the way it is. And if it's something that somebody gave you, you probably have a sentimental value to it, so you want to kinda of keep it around. Well, my mom gave it to me and I like to call her mom, so I'd like to try to keep her around. <laughs> Well, that makes good sense. And, you know, why, you know, some of these branches are, you know, turning brown. Just make sure there's no cracks or anything. It's not next to, you know, it's not being hit by something or whatever it happens to be. And that's about all you're going to be able to do. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you for the time. Yeah. Sorry. I, you know, couldn't offer some great insight. But if everything else is looking good, you're still getting new growth off of it. And, again, any kind of tropical houseplant type thing can have somewhat limiting factors related to it that are virtually unknown. Maryland Heights is where Pat lives. Hi, Pat. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I've got a couple of things. Uh, I wanted to boast a little bit. I get nine-inch hibiscus blossoms. Whoa. Nine-inch be... diameter. That's great. They're huge. Anyway, but my biggest concern is uh, I live in Pheasant Run, subdivision Mm -hmm. and we are just loaded with trees and it's the drawing factor here tons of shade all up and down the the street right Uh, a lot of them are getting these they look like fungus balls but somebody tells me that they're wasp that are laying their eggs or something on the tree yeah they're called gall g-a-l-l that's it yeah yeah well we have a number of trees doing that right and the city's been cutting them down because it's, it seems to be spreading. I don't know if it actually spreads or the wasps are just going to the next tree. You know, I'm saying it's not a genetic spreading. Yeah, it, it is not genetic. It's know. actually the insect, this type of wasp, not a classic type wasp. You know, the females just lay the, you know, the eggs on these branches or twigs, and it causes that bloating once they hatch and start working their way down into the twig. Oh, does that kill the tree? No, it really doesn't. Aesthetically, it can, but I've, you know, I've walked like at Faust Park in Chesterfield where some of those oak trees, they have some of them that are almost the size of softballs. I yeah, mean, that's we've got oak trees and uh, some maples. Yeah, usually they're not going to get on maples. That's surprising that they're there. So it's usually, well, it's caught in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the for the most part, if the, if the galls get too many, too heavy, it causes cracks in the branch where it's attached to the next branch. That right. could lead to a problem. But the galls, in and of themselves, are really not deadly to the tree. Is there any way to uh, treat it? Is there any way to get rid of the the balls? The uh, galls? No, basically not. I mean, it's you could have this. You know, your tree's injected. But there's no guarantee it's going to work, and mm-hmm. so and the galls are going to stay there till those particular twigs, branches, or whatever drop Break off, off. and uh-huh. so there's nothing you can really do. And they keep growing. Uh, well, the, sometimes the, what happens is another female will come the next year and just lay their eggs on an old gall. Oh my God! So that one gall, all the let's say the larvae that has been in there once the eggs hatch. They emerge as these wasps, and a lot of times these little wasps are kind of, you know, they're bigger than gnats, but they just yeah, kind of hang all around over the, the place tree. Here. Yeah, they kind of hang uh-huh. around the tree where they were born. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. What, can we spray it with bug spray? No, nope. it's not going to work. No, that won't even work. 
Okay. Oh. So there's no end to it. But, no, there I mean, isn't. There's little wasp all over the place this year. Right. They really seem prolific. Yeah, and this year, okay. I mean, we had that mild mm-hmm. winter, and bugs are just everywhere, mm-hmm. and you know, the quantities, whether they're good bugs, like lightning bugs and stuff like that, which adults and the larvae of the lightning bug eat other insects, so mm-hmm. they're really a plus, but then some of the damaging insects are going to be you know, high amounts, too. Uh-huh. So you think the city's wrong in cutting the trees down? It's not going to help. You know. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's my I own opinion. I'll call them. Yeah, I'll definitely call them. They're kind of going around the whole neighborhoods, um, <laughs> cutting trees down. Yeah, they're not going to eradicate the problem by doing that. Oh, gosh. Basically, okay. you're going to end up with no trees. And then yeah, exactly, you're... and we don't want that. We, these are trees are like 100 feet tall. Yeah, so I and mean, wonderful shade. Yeah, as it's long beautiful. as they're you know healthy trees, <clears throat> you know nutrient wise and everything else, I don't see yeah. any reason to cut them down because of the galls. What about just trimming those branches off that the galls no, are that's, on? That would be way too much, too expensive and everything else. So, I mean, you'd yeah. drive yourself nuts. To try yeah, to aesthetically do it looks bad. Yeah, it does. So just don't look up. the leaves. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. All right. Well, thanks for your show. Sure. Awesome. Thank you for having thank me you, on your show. Yeah, just wear a ball cap with a nice long uh, bill on it so you can never see them. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, to Edwardsville we go, and we're going into Adam's yard. Adam, how are, how you, are you today? today? Good, how are you, Mike? Very, Very good. good. Hey, got a couple of uh, plants that are causing me a little little concern. Um, one is we had a hydrangea when we first bought our house that was absolutely gorgeous. Um, we trimmed it back uh, a couple of different times. And every year comes back with green leaves, but it never comes back to the pretty uh, purple flowers that we usually got on it or that we got on it the first couple of years. Um, so looking for a little help, maybe trying to figure out what's going on with that plant. And then the second one is a, a hosta elegans. Um, they, uh, I'm getting some, some yellow leaves that are just kind of causing me concern on that. They're in a pot and I've used the potting mix with it, but they're, uh, the, it's in full shade, um, but it's just kind of the yellowing of the leaves is, is uh, bothering me, and it's and it's well drained. It's got holes at the bottom of the pot. So, okay. okay for, first, first of all, all probably, probably with, with the hosta, the soil, the potting mix, or whatever that you're growing in, maybe a little bit too dry. So okay. that, that would, would be, be my nice. guess with that one. If you're getting yellow foliage uh, with the hydrangea, probably the timing of your pruning may be off. So I would say don't prune it for uh, you know two years or so and see if you can get the blooms to come back. But also remember, these hydrangeas, you know, there was a gentleman that called in the first hour that he had two different groups of hydrangeas, same variety. One's just prolific as far as flowering goes. The other one is not doing anything at all anymore for him. So just, I mean, they can, uh, you know, have sort of a limited aesthetic life. So this may be the, you know, the situation that you're having. But go ahead, leave it alone, fertilize it. This is a time of year when you should be, because this is one that needs aluminum sulfate to give it the, you know, the, cur- the colorful foliage, or colorful flowers, rather. But any summer blooming thing should be fertilized June, July, and August, even if they've already finished flowering. So make sure that you're fertilizing it. Make sure it's not going through any kind of drought stress. Again, this is a hydrangea. And then with a hosta, just make sure that you're not letting that potting mix that it's growing in get too dry. Okay. Well, that's, that, that helps me out a little bit. Though. Great. Great. Good luck Good with that. You, and now let's go to South City and into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. 
Yes, Mike, is there still a problem with honeybees? Uh, we noticed last summer it looked like they were starting to come back, and now this summer they're almost non-existent. And uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that lady from Maryland Heights about the hibiscus blooms, my wife has three different hibiscus bushes in our backyard, and they all get covered with blooms that are at least nine inches of right. Yeah, that's a variety called Disco Bell, and it's a shrub type, outdoor type. So, right. yeah, it's pretty. I mean, I I didn't want to say it's pretty common, but if you're not getting big blooms off those, then you're not you know you're doing something wrong with them. But yeah, the honeybee situation, I don't think has changed at all. Just you know, one year to the next, you never know what's going to happen. I think the entire population is you know sort of on the decline. And it's due to many, many different factors. I mean, I you know, until this whole thing started happening, I didn't realize that they were being more or less boxed up and then shipped across the country to pollinate someplace else and everything else. So and I, also on, on her cucumber plants, every one of them, the sparrows, are eating the blooms off of those <laughs> plants, and they're not getting cucumbers behind them. Wow. I, we don't know what we can do. <laughs> not too much. Just basically don't go to sleep and stay out there and get rid of the birds every time you see one land. <laughs> so, no, there's not. I mean, I never heard of you know, sparrows eating the cucumber blooms. But uh, like I said, the world is changing. So you just never know what's happening. You can stand there and watch them flock into the garden <laughs> and start picking them yellow blooms off. Oh, man. Gosh. And, you know, some of it could be related to moisture. Some of it could be related to all kinds of different things. But, uh, yeah, there's not really too much you can do. You can put a netting over it, over them, so they can't get in there. I mean, they have bird netting, you know, which is kind of a flexible, like, material type thing that you could just stretch over the whole patch of the cucumbers and keep them off. Yeah, we've tried that, but then you've got to enclose the entire plant in the netting. Otherwise, right. go right up underneath. Exactly. That's very, very true. Okay, that's it. Thank okay. you. Well, great. Yeah, yeah, the bee circumstance is something that's very true. As a kid growing up in Ellisville, there was huge amounts of bees out there. And as a kid, many times I'd get like a mason jar and just get a whole, you know, probably 15 or 20 of them in the mason jar, hold them up to my ear so I could hear them buzzing around and all that other stuff. I did the same thing with lightning bugs, too. So maybe I'm responsible for the honeybee going downhill. Bob is in his car. Bob, how are you today? Hey, Mike. Good morning. Um, I got a 30-foot shade tree, Mike, and we, we've been putting these like four to five-inch impatience around the tree. And what you were saying earlier about building up a bed, is that something I should try to do? Because I'm only getting so much of the ball of these plants into the ground. Yeah, definitely. If you're not getting, the let's say, the whole root system down in there, Pull them you know, further away from the plant, but definitely don't pile this stuff up onto the bark of the tree. So in other words, you want to you could create a raised bed circumstance, but make it a bagel so there's nothing, none of this, let's say, additive that you're bringing in, this topsoil, whatever mix, and piling it up on the bark. So keep it away from the bark, but give it enough for the plants to, to get in there, I guess. Exactly. And don't just lay it on top of the ground. Mix it in with the existing soil. If you don't, it's just not going to work. So you're saying we'll just like topsoil then, Mike, or what? Yeah, you know, topsoil, compost blend, you know, that type okay. thing. So that would be, I mean, like I said, St. Louis Composting has something called SLC, you know, raised bed mix. So you might go ahead and just contact them and see what, you know, see if you can get some from them. Great. Well, real quick question. Uh, how, do you, how can you tell whether your ground has fungus? 
your grass. Uh, basically, get down on your hands and knees and just look at the blades. If you've got brown areas, just look right where it's turning green, where it's still green, and just look at the blades, see if there's like f- pink fuzziness on it or gray fuzziness. That's a good way to tell. Also, if you're just having individual brown spots, then that's probably has nothing to do with fungus. That just means you probably had annual bluegrass in that spot, and now it's dying because it's a cool-season weed, and when the weather gets hot, they just die. I've got some in my yard, too. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. And let's see if we can get another call in. Uh, we probably better not. We'll wait until after the next spots. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. To the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. We're jumping onto Highway 70, maybe, or there's lots of different ways to get to St. Charles, but that's where Mike lives. Mike, how are you doing today? Hi, Mike. Thanks. Um, quick question. I have two crab apples. I think they're profusion. Okay. There's one in the front yard, one in the backyard, but they're, they're getting top-heavy where the branches on the top about the top quarter are longer than anything else, so they're kind of like drooping over. Is that something I should worry about, or what can I do about it? Basically, if the branches on any type of tree start overgrowing some of the lower branches, what's going to happen to those lower branches is they're probably going to be more or less compartmentalized, and those lower branches are going to die off. So it's not necessarily, crab apples are not necessarily a tree that's going to have a conical shape or anything, but uh, if the lower branches are not all that important to you, if they're, you know, if the upper branches are drooping, it's just because of the weight. You can certainly prune them back. I'm assuming they have some fruit on them right now because they flowered in the springtime. But right. uh, you can wait until, you know, a little bit later on. I again, I don't like to prune going into summertime. It's the worst time of year for lots of different kinds of plants. But as we come out of summertime, you could prune them to get some of the length of those ones that you think are excessively long. You know, just prune them back. Okay. Very good. Yeah, pretty easy. No pruning sealer, nothing like that. Make Anybody that does any pruning at all, though, uh, make sure you make your cut at about a 45-degree angle. That helps right. them, you know, seal. Very good, sir. Thank right. you. Yes, and now let's go across the river to Glen Carbon and into Judy's yard. Hi, Judy. Good morning. Hi. I have a question about bonite okay. for, the, for uh, against the Japanese beetles. I can't find it any place over here. Really? All I've got is beetles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I know Effinger's Garden Center carries it. Now, I know that's a long oh, way from Bellville. Glen Carbon, but uh, I would go to their website, you know, okay. bonai.com, because it lists all the retailers and also lists all the products. Oh, good. Okay. All uh, right. B-O-N-I-D-E.com. Yeah, I've got that. Okay. Okay. Good luck. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I saw my, you know, speaking of Japanese beetles, I saw my first Japanese beetle the other day, last Wednesday. I hadn't seen any of them at all. So there was one single one there, but uh, it just seemed like they kind of went away for a while, but maybe they're going to make a comeback. Bill lives in Fenton. Bill, how are you today? I've got uh, these uh, web-like areas of uh, some of my crepe myrtles and also uh, weeping uh, uh, pussy willow trees that they'll take a branch, they'll surround it, they'll eat out all the uh, foliage on that, that that branch. Right. How do I get rid of it? Basically, go out there as soon as you start seeing them form, and you can just tear up the webbing. 
The webbing is uh, more or less a protective thing to protect those larvae, which are larvae of moths and various kind of things. Eastern tin caterpillars, what usually it is this time of year. Destroy the webbing, and then that takes care of the problem. The spraying doesn't really penetrate that well, but uh, if you want to do that, you could destroy the webbing and then just use like an insecticidal soap and just spray it directly on the caterpillars that are still there. Does seven do any good? Yeah, seven's fine. Yeah, I started using seven on uh, on the ones where I see them. Right, but just make sure that you you know that the seven or the, whatever insecticide you use is penetrating the webbing because a lot of times it doesn't. Okay. So that's what you really need to do. Tear up the webbing, then start spraying anything you see move. Is it a mite, or what is it on inside of the uh, web? Well, it's actually a caterpillar of a moth. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's what's eating. Thanks a lot. Yep. And a good way to see how many you have is to go in the early morning or late in the evening, and you'll see. I mean, sometimes it's amazing. Linda lives in Arnold. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was calling to see if it's too late to uh, put turf builder plus weed killer on my zoysia and Bermuda grass. Basically, you know, just read the read the label. Make sure temperature wise, it's not a problem from that standpoint. But no, I mean, fertilizing zoysia this time of year is exactly what you want to do. So zoysia is fed in the you know warm season, so May, June, July, August, and maybe once in September. So, but uh, you know, the turf builder is you know that's fine. It doesn't really matter. And as far as the broadleaf weed killer, just make sure that, you know, you're not going to cause problems. And also, I don't know what specifically this one is, but that you water it in after you spread it. So so you want to go ahead and make sure it's watered in if it's a granular thing. So thanks, Linda. And now let's go to Patty in St. Louis. Hi, Patty. Um, I have like some landscaping rock in my backyard and I have like this greenery that I, I, I'm, I'm probably not using the right stuff, but I like put Roundup on it to kill it. Is that the wrong stuff or the right stuff? What type of greenery are we talking about? It reminds me sort of of like an ivy kind of. Mm-hmm. It's just that, I mean, I can go out there and pull it out through the rocks and stuff, but right. I can't get it. To stay away permanently, I guess. <laughs> well, that's—I mean, realistically, in the real world. But no, if this is like a rock mulch you're talking about. No, it's rock landscaping, landscaping rock. So it's it's like a round plant material. Yeah, yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could Roundup should kill it, but that doesn't mean it's going to Roundup only kills actively growing plants. It does not get rid of things like seeds. So you uh-huh. can kill the existing plants, but the, they could have some seeds that are laying there that's going to germinate. So next spring, sometime, you know, when the forsythia is in bloom, get a product called Preen, P-R-E-E-N, and spread that because that kills germinating weed seeds and then go after the actively growing stuff with like a product called Roundup. Okay, and how do you spell that again? I'm sorry. Preen, P-R-E-E-N. It's a pre-emergent. For bed, you know, planting bed spaces and things like that. Okay. And, and it just kills the seeds as they germinate. Okay, it just gets aggravating because I'll go out there and I'll pull pull it out, and right. then you know, a couple of days later, I got more, and right. I'm like, this is just aggravating. Yeah, it's never. I mean, it's an ongoing process. You're never yeah. going to eradicate weeds from your landscape. It's just virtually <laughs> okay. impossible. 
And okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Thank you. Good luck with Have that. Have a good and, one. All right. Bye. And thanks to everybody for calling in today. I greatly appreciate it. And the reason why I know you're not going to ever eradicate the weed situation from your landscape, I mean, the Botanical Garden's been there for how long? They still have weeds. And people go, well, how are these weeds getting in here? All kinds of different ways. On the bottom of shoes, on mower blades, on all kinds of different things like that. And also, remember, birds eat weed seeds. And guess what? They go to the bathroom in your yard. So you may think, what? what's happening here? Also, another weed that's starting to really start show up again is the nut sedge. Nut grass. And you got to use sedge ender or a nut grass killer to get rid of that. Regular herbicides do not work on that stuff. So if you got that stuff, feels triangular when it's coming up out of the ground, then go after it with Sedge Ender. So thanks to everybody again for calling in. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.